Well, hello and welcome to episode six of Three Point Podcast and our three generations of takes. Man, over 600 listens already on SoundCloud alone. Not bad. Keep spreading the word, everybody. I'm Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN. And Jared Fattel of Fat Stack Sports and WJSZ Radio is right here in the studio with me tonight. We'll also be joined by special guest Jack Strap and his commentary. Now, this is Three Point Podcast, and each of us has brought a topic to the table. And uh, let's start the pod conversation here. Let's set the stage just a little bit. We'll, our trifecta tonight, Dr. Evil and that scandal over there in Lansing, and miscellaneous sports takes maybe. Also, Blake Griffin, a piston, and, of course, the Super Bowl we'll get into. But let's start here with Dr. Evil and the scandal. And, of course, the big news today, we're recording on Friday, but uh, – the dad of three girls that were uh, allegedly uh, abused by the doctor. He actually went after him today in court. Did you guys get a chance to see that? I did, yeah. I saw it this morning. Uh, short, I, I don't know what news outlet tweeted it out, but I saw it, I think, shortly after it happened. And, I, I mean, being honest, I was it was pretty powerful. Like, seeing, seeing a dad that enraged and to the point where he said, I, I know I'm going to get cuffed. And I know I might go to jail, but I'm going to take my shot at this guy. Yeah. And, you know, in, in the court system, obviously, we, we, you know, they have to try to prevent that. But there's a part of me, really and truly, I wish the the deputies would have been just a little slower to get to him. And I would have loved to see him at least get one good shot. That's just how I look so, at so it. So he was requesting a minute with him. I right? think he started with five minutes he was requesting. And then he said, well, I'd like a minute. And then he just went. Yeah, you can just imagine. If you if you had a minute with Nasser, I'd probably oh, kick him right in the balls. That'd be the starting point. <laughs> I just saw, actually, that before the news came out that the judge did end up um, just releasing him. And basically, he, he did come out and apologize to the court and say that, you know, he lost his head a little bit. But the judge ended up, no, no charges, nothing was filed, which is the right thing to do. But within an hour after he news kind of broke that he got cuffed and taken away, a GoFundMe started, and over like three grand was raised for him in over an hour. Oh, I know. I mean, geez. Just, just in case he got got in trouble with something. I think a lot of people were on the same page. They were they were fine with him trying to do that. What kind of shocked me? Did you hear like his daughters crying in the background? Went like uncontrollably crying. Yeah. When he, that must have been just a terrible moment for them. Well, I'll t- tell you what. I mean, you know, the deputies they do have a job to do. They took him down pretty hard. I thought, you know. I mean, that's a, I don't know if you guys saw the video that, that happened right after it. Uh, the assistant attorney general, I, I, I'm not sure in her name, but she she addressed the courtroom and, and was actually like pretty pretty bold in what she was saying. She was she was saying that this is just not how we handle it. We're all upset. We're all pretty emotional right now, but resorting to violence isn't the way to do it. And when the father did come out and, and apologize, he, he did say that. He said, you know, he lost his head. That's that's not the right way to handle this. But at the same time, he said, you know, everyone was saying, we, we can understand. We, we're with you in wanting to, to take it too violent. Oh, no doubt. Any dad out there in that situation would certainly be having that reaction or at least wanting to do what he did. So. Yeah. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad they got it all under control. But boy, oh boy, like I said, the the one little part of me wishes he'd have got a shot in for sure at that asshole. That's all I, I can yeah, say. I you agree, know, hundred percent. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he tweeted out. He he reacted to that that video, 
and he said basically he said that you know this any father would feel the same way everyone can feel with his father and he said no worries about it he's gonna he's gonna get what's coming to him when he goes to jail and i think that's gonna happen oh there's no doubt no doubt about it you know we don't want to keep talking about this topic but we have to a little bit on our podcast while it's still red hot in the news and uh, this week also in lansing the the university named an interim President John Engler, and boy, did that stir up some controversy with the former governor of Michigan. Uh, there was a, a story that broke this week, and I had forgotten a little bit about it, but there was a controversy when he was as governor. Um, there was a sexual abuse accusation from some female prisoners on uh, prison guards in the state of Michigan, and he did not uh, really do much about it. He, he kind of poo-pooed it and uh, didn't really investigate it and kind of had it thrown out, which has caused a lot of controversy in itself. Yeah, I saw that. I I don't really. I wasn't really paying attention to politics a whole lot when when Engler was in office. I was still kind of young, but I do remember hearing some of those stories. Um, but I did see after after he was announced, I guess that he was going to take the interim job. That a bunch of student, um, I, they were part of the student council and and government positions with Michigan State held basically like a sit-in. They were in his office. They were uh, where the board of trustees were announcing Engler. And they were basically calling Michigan State out, saying, like, what the heck are you doing bringing in this guy who has all these Michigan State ties, who has this baggage like you're talking about. And they, they were basically saying, we need change. Like, what are you doing? We need outside people. We need some people with some fresh views on everything. And you're bringing in this guy that's not going to change anything. Well, you know, it's impossible to think this would have happened. But, you know, here's a name for you that wouldn't, wouldn't this have been outstanding if they could have got him? Barack Obama come in to be interim president to try and sort through the mess and clear things up. I know it's a stretch, but how amazing would that have been? I mean, I, I think it would have been amazing. I, I'm a huge fan, so so I would have loved to see someone like that come in, and he definitely probably would have cleaned things up, that's for sure. Also, I want to get into this just a little bit. Uh, you know, we're here in mid-Michigan, obviously right in the heart and soul of MSU country, and I've been sitting back, and I've been actually making a concerted effort to listen to a lot of sports talk radio, specifically in Lansing. And the feel I am getting, Matt, this is I want to kind of direct this at you. A lot of the local Lansing media, since the story came out last week on Outside the Lines, they've been accusing ESPN of, of basically being on a witch hunt, you know, with the whole involvement of D'Antonio and Izzo. What's the feel you get uh, in the company there? To be honest with you, I, I don't see what a lot of these people are saying. It, it's kind of surprising to me to, to hear, especially people that work in TV broadcasting, but I mean, radio broadcasting has, is the same formula. Like, to see people question why ESPN came out with a story at the time that they did, and then it, it did get released from the reporter that she finished the story actually late summer, and it just now is getting released. It, it's almost like people don't understand kind of how, how media works. Um, Sometimes you do have to wait for the right time to break a story. And this Nasser thing was picking up steam, so they obviously, someone higher up than me, uh, decided that this was the right time to also package in the whole it, the whole Michigan State story. People are losing sight of what the actual issue is. Yes, they, they tied Antonio and Izzo to, to the Nasser story, but they weren't connecting those two, saying that, Izzo and Antonio are just as guilty as Nasser. That that is not the story. It, it's a, a bigger picture. It's Michigan State's culture as a whole. Yeah, an institutional thing. Was. 
and people are just losing sight of that. Yeah, well, as you know, and as you can well imagine, man, emotions are running sky high, and it's going to continue that way for quite some time. One final comment on on the whole situation. Um, Jamel Hill came out with a story this week. Now she's going to be shifted from the six to, uh, what is it, undisputed? Undefeated. Undefeated, that's it. But uh, she came out this week with uh, an article about Izzo, who she's very close with, and kind of had the take that he does need to step up, he does need to talk now. I had no problem with that at all, but I just read something, and maybe you can help me on this, Matt, that she actually posted text messages from Izzo. Is that that true? Yeah, well, she, I guess not like, she didn't take screenshots or anything of the text messages, but she, in the article, she wrote a text text conversation that she had with Izzo, Mm -hmm. and I was really happy to see her come out and and say that because she, especially at ESPN, is one of the biggest, the more well-known Michigan State alums, and she's close friends with Izzo and D'Antonio. And I was happy to finally see someone come out and almost call out uh, Tom Izzo because, just being honest here, most of the people who that I've been seeing on Twitter and Facebook who have just continued to back Izzo blindly almost have been Michigan State fans or Michigan State alums. So it was nice to see kind of a well-known Michigan State alumni kind of, like, say what a lot of people are thinking and, and say, like, what? why isn't Izzo saying anything? And for her to step, I mean, they're close friends, for her to ask those questions and basically get no answer back from him, it's kind of kind of head-scratching to me. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I think it, it, it was, you know, it, it, it really means a lot coming from Jamel Hill. Like you said, friends with Izzo, uh, a proud Spartan alumnus, you know, and she's she's also an activist. I mean, she's really found, I think, her niche in uh, in journalism. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the main reason why she switched to the undefeated, because she has, you know, had, had a little bit of controversy because Sports Center they, they allow the the anchors and the reporters that to speak their mind to have their own opinions, but there is kind of some guidelines with Sports Center, and she's kind of gotten in a little bit of trouble or whatever you want to say with that. So with the undefeated, she can she almost has free reign. She can speak her mind and kind of tackle some issues that she wants to. Right. I was just happy to see someone finally like just call out Izzo because. I, it, it really is starting to look a lot to me like the whole Joe Paterno thing with, with Penn State. I mean, that Paterno was on a level similar to what Izzo is uh, with Michigan State. People are just acting like this guy can do no wrong, like that there's no chance in hell that Izzo could ever do anything wrong. And, and calling out ESPN, calling out the reporters, and it's just like this reporter was digging into the story for three-plus years. It's not like they just – whipped together a story over the weekend and, and threw it out there to try and to get some hits. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a validated story with a lot of facts and a lot of research done and and I was glad to see someone like Jamel finally step up and say something. Yeah, I think the only thing I can say on on the Izzo thing, I think uh, you know, I'm not going to take one side or the other at the moment, but I will say this from from what I have seen from Tom Izzo throughout time, you know, I don't think he I don't think he has any ill feelings or any any bad intentions. I think maybe he went maybe overboard possibly trying to protect his players. But uh, once we see all the facts released and, and see what happens in the court system and the investigation, you know, then obviously we can make a, a final judgment on, on how he's handled things. Well, why don't we lighten things up, guys, a little bit? we got more topics we got to get into. And let's check in right now with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Krusty Jackstrap. Hello, Matt, Jared, and Eddie. I'd like to start out with a few quick sports hits. 
bitch. I'll call the jackhammers. NBA. Detroit Piston basketball. Ever since the bad boy era, the Pistons have been, uh, well, bad boys. And frankly, not that good. So this week, they worked out a deal with the L.A. Clippers for Archie Griffin. I love the trade. Griffin will generate more excitement, wins, and he's going to put more fannies in the Silverdome seats. And if Griffin and Lambeer can stay healthy, I can see the Pistons winning uh, one game in the first round of the playoffs before Flip Saunders flips his hood while the Pistons misfire. Get it? Pistons misfire? Uh, Jake uh, gave me that line. He worked on it all last night. Anyway, NFL, the Washington Redskins. The Redskins acquire Alex Smith. Yes, people, I said Redskins. I hope Chief Bling Bling down at the gambling casino is not offended. Did I mention, however, that I'm offended at the politically correct movement that we've had in this country? Can't stand it. Every time I think about it, I feel a movement coming, and it's called a bowel movement. But anyway, I digress, guys. Sorry. So the Redskins will allow white skin Kirk Cousins to leave the reservation passing the peace pipe to former Kansas City Chief Alex Smith, known to NFL fans as Chief Treadenwater, translated in English to me average. What's the difference between Cousins and Smith? The difference can be compared to me choosing to marry my sister-in-law, Hagatha, instead of my current wife, Jackie. So here you go. They both whip up a tasty batch of hamburger helper. Yummy. They both attend church on Sunday and look good in clean purple polyester, and no one will whistle at them when they walk through a construction site, if you know what I mean. So the Redskins can replace their Chevy Cruze for a Ford Focus. You like that? You like that? Yeah, I like that. My bet is that the hapless Browns lose their focus offering a Cadillac price for another cruise down Loser Street. All right, on to the Super Bowl. Drum roll, please. I will turn 89 years old this June, guys, so you can guess. Uh, you youngsters might call me old school. But when it comes to Super Bowls, you can take your Max McGee Super Bowl TD and VP, Gary Premium's Sissy Pass, and Denver Bronco quarterback Speedy Craig Morton's pathetic performance against America's team back in 77. Hey, Morton, want some salt on your eight turnovers? I want modern football, guys, specifically the Patriots and Bill Belichick. You talk about must-see TV. Did you realize, fellas, that when you examine the point differential across 51 Super Bowls, that 51% of the games had a point differential of 10 points or more. That's a lot of toilet bowls. 22 have finished with a point differential of 10 points or less. Conversely, outside of the 1985 debacle against the Bears, the Patriots have been entertaining to the max in each and every one of their last 
eight Super Bowl appearances. Since 2002, when Brady replaced Bledsoe, defeating the Rams' greatest show on turf, 20-17, the Patriots have won or lost by an average point differential of 3.83. That's 3.83, guys. In Super Bowl 38, they defeated Carolina 32-29. Super Bowl 39, they defeated the Eagles and Ron Jaworski 24-21. In Super Bowl 40, the undefeated 12-point favorite Patriots lost in dramatic fashion with wide receiver David Tyree making a fantastic catch to complement the Giants' defense led by Lawrence Taylor winning 17-14. to And I'm not done. I, I know you wish I was. In Super Bowl 44, they suffered another heartbreaking loss to the Giants and Peyton Manning 21-17. In Super Bowl 47, the Patriots won another stunner with a heart-stopping win over Seattle. Who can forget it? 28-24. And uh, Chuck Knox was not too happy, and the fans weren't too happy with him for not giving the ball to Sean Alexander when they were right on the one-yard line. And finally, we had last year's cardiac comeback contest with Wayne Brady pulling off yet another miraculous win, defeating Steve Bartowski and the Falcons 34-28. to So, whew, take a deep breath. Who needs shows like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones when you can have must-watch TV for free with the Patriots? Love them or hate them, guys. They deliver high-quality drama. So now my prediction. This time, the tables are going to be turned as Dick Vermeil and Nick Foles foil the Patriots with their own second-half comeback, 34-30, to as underdogs everywhere party all night dressed in their favorite dog masks and purple polyester, barking at the Eagles and my sister-in-law, Hagatha. Dog, 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 dog. Have a good night, guys. Archie Griffin. <laughs> I'd honestly rather have Archie over Blake. That would be absolutely electric. And not only would it be electric on the basketball court, we honestly could probably use him in the Lions' backfield as well. But how about that trade? For those who live under a rock or don't care about the Pistons, everyone, the Pistons traded away Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, Tobias Harris, and a first and second round pick this past week for the Los Angeles Clippers' Blake Griffin. I'm not going to lie. Trying to decide if this was a good trade has put a pretzel in my head. I feel like Jekyll and Hyde weighing the pros and cons here. We all saw the tweet. Stan Van has had some good trades for the Pistons, most notably his Tobias Harris trade. But overall, the coach-GM philosophy does not work. It was a last-ditch effort by two coach-GMs, Doc Rivers and Stan Van Gundy, to save their own ass. If the San Antonio Spurs don't have Popovich take the reins as GM, shouldn't that tell you how hard it is? What What is Stan's analysis of players? Uh, John Doe scored 30 points on us. Let's get him. Uh, but Stan, what about the other 81 games? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see him. Yeah, we know Stan. This trade is exactly like the Amari Stoudemire deal that sent him to the Knicks. It's all fun and games at the start. He's having an MVP-type season. And then his leg falls off, and you're left with a $170 million contract. And Luke Kennard. But to be fair, Bradley was halfway out the door, and we have been stuck in neutral for the last 10 years, so why not roll the dice here? But most importantly... The move does have the mayor of Detroit's approval. Big Sean approves of the Blake Griffin trade. So for me personally, when I saw that, say no more. I'm 100% on the Blake train. But I want to know what you guys think. Are you on Big Sean's side or are you on every basketball expert ever who says that the Pistons just signed a death sentence? 
Well, I didn't know where you were going with that, Jared, to tell you the truth, but uh, I think maybe I was in a little bit of a pretzel situation when I first heard of the trade, but I've thought about it, and it didn't take me long to think about it. I think that is a tremendous move for the Pistons, and I'll tell you why. I couldn't have cared less to watch the Pistons this year, and you know what? I'll watch them now. And I think if they make another move, they actually could be a team that that can compete in the East. It's going to be fun to watch anyway, and Blake Griffin can play. Now, was it worth the contract? I guess time will tell, but I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm kind of in the same spot too with you guys. Um, you know, you you look at the contract, and that's a lot of money for a guy that's had an injury history like he has, but. The Pistons needed to do something. I mean, like you said, Ted, the, the team that they had, yeah, they might have been able to kind of limp into the playoffs with a 7 or 8 seed, but they weren't going to do anything with the, the team that they had built. They had to do something. Shake it up. Get a star player. And honestly, I mean, we had the championship and, you know, a nice little run with Chauncey and the boys, but they haven't had a star player, I mean, a, a superstar player like Blake Griffin, I don't know what, since Grant Hill? Yeah. So, I mean, the Pistons, you know, you need to sell tickets and you need to start selling some jerseys and you got that brand-new arena that you need to fill up. And, hey, what did what did ESPN go and do? Next Friday, Pistons are playing the Clippers. They put it on ESPN. So, if anything, I guess like Jared said, you know, maybe short-term, it's going to be really exciting. We'll see how it pans out long-term. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, you, you hit it right on the head, Jared. It's been a decade of who cares. Who cares about the Pistons? And now we, we have a little bit of hope that uh, you know they'll have a good front line down there now and we'll see what they do. So what do you, I just want to ask this what do you see as the ceiling for this team? Maybe not this year during Blake's contract. Oh, during the contract? Yeah. Well, they need to get another another star or superstar in there, don't they? Somehow they got to figure out a way. I love the trade, but where I have a problem with Stan Van as the mm-hmm. general manager, why did we take Luke Kennard? The Pistons, when everyone's jumping to super teams and moving to the nice uh, tropical locations, we need to take flyers in the draft and just hope that we get a Giannis Antetokounmpo out of it. Well, let me ask you this question, Jared, just flat out. What is it that you can't stand about Kennard? Is it just the fact that he played for Coach K and Duke? Or I, you just a, don't like his game? He's a solid player. I like it. He's a great role player. Uh-huh. But what did that give us, adding him to our roster? Does he have any potential? I mean, he's what, second he's maxed, year in the league? That's the problem. He's maxed out his potential. He's a fine player. Okay. But we, when you pass on a guy like Donovan Mitchell or just – I don't even care if the guy doesn't pan out. Take a flyer on someone who could be a star. We knew what we were getting with Luke Kennard, and that's not what's going to propel the Pistons toward an eventual title. True. Now, I guess that is up to Van Gundy in the next draft or two. Obviously, is Van Gundy, he keeps his job if they get to the playoffs, right? If if they don't make the playoffs now that they pulled the trigger on Blake Griffin, do you think maybe he's gone? I don't think he'd be gone this year. I mean, that'd be a really bad look if they didn't make the playoffs, especially in the East. But I think, I mean, you got Blake Griffin halfway through the year. Reggie Jackson's been hurt a bunch, so maybe maybe they would give him next year and, and, you know, they maybe make a trade or make some other moves. But I don't think he'd be gone after this year. I, I'm kind of with Jared on the Luke Kennard thing. I, I think he's just always going to be that a solid mm-hmm. player. He'll probably improve a little bit. But I, I wonder if they were really banking on hoping Reggie Jackson would maybe take the next step or maybe Avery Bradley would stay healthy and have a good season. So they needed a guy like Luke Kennard. But obviously now looking at the season, Avery Bradley's not even on the team and Reggie Jackson's been hurt half the season. So what do you think, Matt? What do they got to do to maybe make that next step and be a solid contender in the East? Oh, I think they need another star player, like you guys said. Yep. You know what I would love to see? It's a long shot. It's the longest of long shots. But Damian Lillard is talking about he wants out of out of Portland. Right. I would trade anyone 
but Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, if you could match Lillard with Griffin and Drummond, that would be a solid team in the East. Not saying they would beat the Warriors or beat the Rockets, but that in the East, that would be a good team. What do you think, Young Buck? I mean, we look at basically your what you just diagrammed was a worse version of Lob City, if you ask me. You got you whether where they had the point god point god uh chris paul and blake griffin an absolute freak prime where he's just an absolute freak athlete i don't see how that team gets any further than they did maybe the eastern finals in the east in the east they would be a really good team they're not they're not winning a championship but i mean they're not winning a championship the way they're built right now so you know go and get another star player final comment on the nba guys the story this week uh, i don't know if it was just air being blown out there but lebron possibly to the warriors did you guys catch that is that even possible that's so i I hate to say it matt i think that's espn making headlines but (laughs) what do you think about that matt do you think that's just a headline grab yeah i mean i i think it i think it's one of those that kind of got blown out of proportion all he said was that he would listen to an offer i mean i think I think everyone would admit that. Yep. Anyone would say, yes, I will listen to an offer. So, boom, right away, everyone knows that LeBron's probably leaving Cleveland. So when he says, I'm going to listen to an offer from the Warriors, next thing you know, it blows up. So I'd be real surprised if he went to – went to Golden State. I don't even know if they'd have the money. They'd probably have to get rid of Draymond and Clay. But I could see him at the Clippers now that Griffin left, you know. It's funny, man. The Clippers, they just they <laughs> sent uh, Blake Griffin out. Uh, they sent him to the Night Watch, John, John Snow style. Just cold. <laughs> all right, guys, let's, let's switch topics real quick. We all, we all know that it's the elephant in the room. Why have we taken so long to get to the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. Let's get into it, guys. I, I, wanna, I know you, you mentioned something to me earlier about uh, prop bets. I got something to talk about on prop bets. So what do you? Yeah, I don't know. Are, are you guys into the prop bets, Jared? You're kind of getting into the gambling game. Do you pay attention or look up prop bets? I've been I've been looking up some prop bets. Uh, to be honest, I can't figure out how to bet on them. Right. I, the app I use is only let me do the spread. But this is a game that I honestly have no feel on for betting wise. I I'm just gonna kind of kind of take a flyer at kickoff, I think, and pick either New England or Philadelphia Eagles to cover the spread, which is minus four and a half, I believe. Right. I don't know. What do you guys think on that? Well, on the on the game itself, I'll be first. I'm the oldest. Uh, I'll take. I would take the Eagles and the and the points. I would I would take that the Eagles would cover. That New England maybe could win by three points, but if I was going to go with the line, I'd probably take the Eagles. And I've got a little bit of a hunch that they'll pull out the win. But most people that know me, when I make a prediction on a game, it usually is the opposite. That's why I'm going with the points. How about you, Matt? I think I would go the same, maybe with the points. I do think it's going to be a really close game, but it's so hard for me to bet against Tom Brady and the Patriots that the Eagles' defense is, is legit, obviously, and they, they could maybe stop the run and really pressure Brady, but I, just the adjustments that on offense and defense that the Pats make every game, it's just I don't know if Nick Foles and crew can, can keep up with them, but, but we'll see. Well, I don't know. You know, Foles, I've, got a, I've just got this feeling that it's going to be like a – Jeff Hostetler, you know, backup quarterback comes in for Phil Simms and the Giants, and the Buffalo Bills were highly uh, rated to win that Super Bowl, and Hostetler found a way to do it, and maybe uh, Big Dick Nick is the guy going to get it done. <laughs> he might. I mean, he's been lighting it up, and he's got that nickname. So. <laughs> he wears it proudly. The, the one prop bet that I do like, kind of talking about the Philadelphia he, Eagles quarterbacks, uh, that they're they're going to mention Carson Wentz more <laughs> or less than three times. I am on the over 
so hard there. <laughs> I mean, just think of all the times that they're going to talk about him. Once, if Philadelphia's offense is doing good, oh, they're how are they doing so good without right. uh, Carson Wentz? If, they're, if, Nick, if Nick Foles throws a pick, they're going to show Wentz consoling him. That's just two right off the top of my head. I, yeah. Oh, here's, here's the question I had about prop bets. Now, is a prop bet, like let's say the national anthem, there's an over and under for that, right? Yeah, it's usually at two minutes. Okay, yeah. so there's an over-under for that, and it's being sung, I think, by Pink, right? Mm-hmm. And let, I'll, let me get this out, too. Like, at halftime, Justin Timberlake, is he going to is he gonna bring Janet Jackson out? Is he going to sing a Prince song? What Prince song is he going to sing? Where is it that Purple Rain? From? The Prince thing. I well, he's, a, he, he's from Minneapolis, oh, and he just okay. died Lake within the last year. Yeah, so he's from there. But here's my question, fellas. Okay, if you go to a bookie, if this is a Vegas thing where you can do a prop bet, what is to stop somebody like a like Pink or Justin Timberlake to set somebody up and say, hey, put some money on this. I'm going to sing it at two and a half minutes, or I'm going to definitely sing Purple Rain. I mean, how do you prevent something like that? I, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've read some articles that people wonder if that kind of stuff happens. Right? Huh? Like one one of the prop bets is, is Justin Timberlake going to sing Sexy Back before Rock Your Body? Right. So he could He could see that prop bet and just set that up and do that and yeah tell someone to bet a couple million dollars on it i think it's one of those things that vegas they're they're pretty smart they're you know they make a lot of money i think they might be able to police something like that but i don't know maybe someone could figure out a way around it oh it sure seems like you could if i had to guess with the whole justin timberlake i saw one which song is he going to perform first if i had to guess uh i'm going suit and tie at plus 1500 <laughs> i he's going to come out to it mark my words all right yeah, that's I was thinking it would be one of those, but he did just have the new album come out, so I don't know. There, there's some other prop bets that I just I think are hilarious. Like one of them is, will Bill Belichick be wearing a hoodie at the start of the game? I mean, like to, to bet on that, I just think is hilarious. Uh, how many times will President Trump tweet during the game? That, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, like one of them is, will a ball hit a goalpost on any kicking play? I mean, I don't know. It's just like funny that like it just goes to show that people will throw money around or gamble on almost anything. Now, this one it does the when it says how many times will the word "dilly" be said? Does that does that include the commercials? I'm guessing for sure, right? Well, that would, it says yeah, broadcast. The one it's, that I read is during Bud Light commercials. Okay, times will "dilly" be said? And I think the line is set at twelve. Wow. <laughs> I don't know that I might jump on the over on that. Yeah, they say I mean, it like five know, times like, in one what, commercial, two or three commercials probably. And they have a new commercial that's featuring Dilly yeah, Dilly that too. Leaked? Has that, I think it they, has leaked. So couldn't someone just oh they say it this amount of times on it? Maybe they, so they'd know. have that many already in the pocket. Yeah, yeah, just do a whole commercial. Dilly 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 Dilly. <laughs> Twelve, get the over. Well, it's going to be fun. Obviously, the, the 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 prop betting and all the money that is put on the game is just amazing. You know, I was catching something else, fellas, about you know they have the whole radio row thing going on there at the Mall of America, and you know with so much money in the Super Bowl, I've been noticing you know that I listen to some of these radio stations that they they haul in uh, special guests, you know, like former NFL players, and. Almost every one of them is sponsored by somebody. They come over and they talk on the radio and do a little interview. Then they throw out their thing that they're pitching. It's just amazing how much money and how many angles that they have out there to make money. Yeah, like I saw T.O., he was making his rounds. And every time he was on an interview, he was sponsored by Febreze. So it's just kind (laughs) of like, how does... How do how do they get linked up with us? I mean, they're agents. They must find a way for these people to make money. And if you're going to make all these appearances and you can make whatever 
couple hundred grand if you just mention Febreze. Why not do it? It is kind of funny, though. One final thing on the Super Bowl, guys, uh, unless you got other things to add, let's break it down a little bit. What do you think the score is going to be? I mean, I'm going to go on record, I guess, to say the Eagles maybe 27-24. Yeah. Uh, you're, really, you're going with the Eagles, though, huh? I'm going, to ta- I'm going to go on air and say the Eagles, yep. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my score in a second, but what do you think uh, John Patel's um, sponsor will be? Go to Corona Public Schools. <laughs> But it's great to be gold. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, I see. I, I hate to say it. I really hope it's not going to be a blowout, but I just have that feeling. Not a blowout, but kind of like a 24 to 10 type game where the Patriots are up the entire time. I mean, what do you think, Matt? I think I'm leaning more that way. I just, I, I think, like I said earlier, I, it's just really hard for me to, to think that Brady and, and Belichick and everyone would would let this one get away i think it seems like there's getting a lot of talk about that this might be getting close to the end of the road for these guys and and the, i don't know man I, it's just hard for me to go against brady and maybe it's the whole nick Foles thing but but i i think it's going to be you know patriots will kind of have it under control the whole time you know i see both where both you guys are coming from there and it's hard for me not to be on the same page but i'm just going just again a hunch it almost came true for jacksonville and i just think that the eagles are so hungry never won a super bowl Maybe they'll get some of that karma going. Maybe that that's one of those things, maybe that, like with the Jaguars a couple of weeks ago, it might actually come back to bite the Eagles. Because someone talked about it. I think it was uh, Kyle Rudolph. He was on Golik and Wingo this morning. He was talking about how teams against the Patriots might get up, might might get some momentum, might get a you know, 7, 10-point lead, and they get tight. Yeah. Coaches get tight, and they start thinking about, holy shit, we're, we're about to win the Super Bowl. We're about to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. Or like the Jaguars, we're about to go to the Super Bowl and quarterback gets tight. You know, you have a quarterback that doesn't have that much experience, coaches that don't have that much experience coaching in those games. And, he, and on the other sideline, you got Belichick and Brady. So it's just tough for me to go with the Eagles. The only thing that makes me worried if I was kind of going to bet on the Patriots, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the video of Tom Brady kissing his son. <laughs> I mean, I love a, a good son and father relationship, but that was just a little bit too bizarre for me. I mean, I saw it. I don't know. I, I, I saw a lot of people ripping on him for it. I'm not. I'm not gonna judge him. I, I know people. Families show their affection in different ways. So I, I don't know. It is what it is to me. Yeah, I won't go there either, Jared. Sorry. <laughs> it was a little funny to watch, but uh, yeah, I'm I, gonna. I'm gonna I, lay off that one. It. I mean, it's just weird. Watch but... any more of that? The Facebook uh, or the Brady versus Time or whatever? Did you guys watch any more of that? No, I haven't had a chance. No, I just me saw neither. Little clip. I've seen, I mean, yeah, we saw that, but I've watched a little bit. I haven't watched it all, but they were showing some clips of uh, the off season, And this is just, it, it's like, it's kind of getting getting to see a little bit inside of Tom Brady's preparation and his just mental preparedness. And it is, it is crazy to see how almost OCD he is with his film study, with his, how he prepares for games. They showed some video, I think it, they were in, uh, they were on the beach, so they're probably on the West Coast. But uh, Amendola and Edelman came out to wherever he was, and they were running routes in the off season. So you know, it's off season; they're on the beach, and they're just running routes. And Brady is screaming at these guys because they're not—they didn't run the right routes. And it's just that—that's just the level he is. They talked about it a lot. They, it, he is constantly on that level that. He, he wants perfection all the time. That's one reason why he's the goat, man. There's no doubt about it. That he, does he drink like 37 waters in a day or something? Did I see that? Wow. It's something like that. 
something like that, like 40 <laughs> gallons or I don't know. It's something 40 like that. gallons? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of water. All right, we got any final thoughts on the Super Bowl before we wrap this up, guys? Anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, shout, shout out to Josh Richardson. Go Eagles, man. That's your party in there, right? Yeah. That's a Super Bowl yeah. party. How about you, Matt? Big Super Bowl party plans? Yeah, we're going to get together with some friends and uh, put some money on some squares, and, and hopefully uh, Brady gets number six. Oh, there you go. Well, I can take it or take it or leave it, but I've just got a hunch the Eagles are going to do it. It's going to be a little low-key, but I look forward to this game every year, and my wife gets depressed the day after because football is done. Well, let me let me ask you guys something real quick. Are you do you guys like the commercials? You know, you got to ask that all the time. Are you guys commercial people or, or not? I am. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I usually I'll, I'll go to the bathroom during the game. Actually, I'll make, I'll find a spot. I'll find a spot the and game go. And watch the commercials. Yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> why, Matt? Are you not a commercial guy? I am. I, I like the commercials. It just seems like the last couple of years, like they kind of have tailed off a little bit. Like you I, have I agree. One here and there, that's good, but overall, they just haven't been that great. I feel like that's kind of set every year, and Do it's sort of like the greatest. It's sort of like the basketball debate. You know, it's not like it used to be. I just feel like that's one of those things. Well, I like the years when there's more comical commercials. It seems to be they've gotten very deep in a lot of these commercials. And you know yeah, they make you want to cry every every right. commercial break. They want to like move you to tears, and it's like, man, I'm I'm excited. I want to watch some football and laugh. Yeah, give me the Clydesdales, man. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Give me the Bud Light Frog. <laughs> give me the what's up? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> that was before my time. <laughs> okay, guys, I think we made another good show. I want to remind our listeners, though, we got a big show next week. We're bringing in some guests into the studio. So we'll bring John Fattel, another member of this clan, and Mike Weber, his classmate. And we're going to talk like a little uh, mid-Michigan Corona Hoosiers connection, the 1983 state championship basketball team. We're going we're gonna to kind of review that, talk about that team, get some of their remembrances, and also let them talk about some of the topics we're going to get into. So that'll be next, our next podcast, Episode 7, recorded next Friday night. And uh, that'll lead into the big uh, 35th anniversary of the 83 team being honored at a Corona Cavalier basketball game. Don't forget, everybody, please share with all your friends this podcast. Give us your feedback and follow us on Twitter. I'm at Z92.5SportsGuy. Matt, you're where? Burnsy381. And J-Rod. At FastXSports underscore. And also you can uh, email us anytime at 3pointpod at gmail.com. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan and Fat Stack Sports production with special consideration provided by Z92.5 The Castle. Until next time, thanks for listening to 3 Point Podcast.